The Boise Dev Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a free platform for podcasts like this one. It allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even add in songs from Spotify to help spice up those episodes. Anchor will make sure that your podcast is distributed pretty much everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with an ad like this. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Uh, welcome to a special edition of the Boise Dev First podcast. Usually I record these and listen to them and write a nice intro and lay down the track for the fancy announcer voice. We're not going to do any of that. We're just going to jump in. Uh, I've got Margaret Carmel, who is the city of Boise and Ada County government reporter for the Edo Press. Did nope. I see a change there? Nope. City nope, of Boise? I am just city of Boise. Okay. City of Boise is an interesting place today. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you saw the news and are probably uh, nerdily interested in the Boise election. So I grabbed Margaret and we wanted to kind of talk about what happened today. So we were both out in the rain at the Boise Depot, and Margaret set the scene. So we were standing in front of the Boise Depot. We Everyone in the Boise media got an email saying that former Mayor Brent Coles had a special announcement to make about the Boise election. And we were there in front of the depot where he announced, he laid out a series of grievances against uh, Mayor Beter's administration and then finally said um, that he is running for mayor. Um, the, I think the exact phrase he used was, my name is Brent Coles and I'm running for mayor of the city of Boise, Idaho. And um, that really changed the whole dynamic of the race. We now have a conservative um, in the race where we really didn't before. Scandal aside, um, within, in Coles' past, this has really kind of given voters a completely different choice uh, from Beter and McLean, Lauren McLean, who are, are on the left. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it's I've sadly uh, been around a long time, and I covered uh, Mayor Coles when he left. I will say I grew up down the street from him and his kids, so I, I know him, and I don't think that's a secret. Um, but I covered his scandals as he left City Hall really aggressively with the team there and at Channel 7 at the time, and um, it made people in Boise feel pretty angsty. And what I thought was interesting is he opened up at the very beginning and said, here's what happened. I served my time um, and uh, basically said, I'm looking for forgiveness, I think was was the gist. He has been pretty quiet in the years since this has happened. He really only gave one interview to kind of a friendly magazine um, that didn't go over well. He, he basically tried to blame it all on the TV station, Channel 2, that led this. And, and people in the media kind of thought that was strange. But other than that, he's been really quiet. He did do one interview with Channel 6 um, earlier this year, and that's all I've ever heard from him. I think maybe he talked to you. I'm not sure for the record, but he, did he talk to you in a story? He chatted with me very briefly at a Boise City Council meeting over the summer about a very um, controversial development in Northwest Boise where he made an appearance and everyone there was kind of shocked to see him because we hadn't seen him in so long and he was speaking out against this proposed nearly 300 unit development over off of Hill Road Parkway. Um, he now lives in that neighborhood and so and I interviewed him and I, I basically pulled him aside and he said hey why come out now you know and 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 he said you know I just live in the neighborhood 
this issue bothers me and it's my right as a citizen to come and speak out against something I don't want to see built in my neighborhood. And I remember asking him, are we going to see more of you? And he said, you know, I, I don't exactly remember what he said, but he kind of gave a not, you know, kind of a, an answer that suggested he was just here for that neighborhood issue. And then a few months later, that same development came back to Boise City Council on the same day as the budget fiscal year 2020 budget hearing. Mm-hmm. And he stood before council and talked about um, a lot of the same stuff he talked about at his pa- at his um, press conference today. He admonished city council for spending so much money on the main library project instead of focusing on public safety like fire stations and a fire station in northwest boise and staffing at police stations um and uh, you know and just generally said they should be more fiscally conservative and then he sat down and got back up again and spoke at the in the prominent subdivision public hearing and went kind of went on went on with his night and then here we have a mayoral announcement from him yeah, and it was interesting because it, it was policy heavy. Um, he he dinged the city for its uh, spending policies of always taking its state allowed three percent increase. Uh, he dinged the city for proposing to tear down buildings. Uh, talking about the Cavern Literary Center, which he noted was a policy that was in place in Boise before him, with a lot of buildings downtown torn down, and he tried to draw sort of this. Um, comparison between here's what we did in the 90s and it really helped with a lot of the things that are great now and here's what we're doing and it's a problem. Um, He promised to cap the city budget at 2018 levels, which I thought was interesting. Which is $629 million for the record, which is about $80 million less. You know, I I think, you know, it's it's, it's at least $80 million less than what we have right now. Oh, so even more, even more. So, so that was interesting, but at the same time, he also said that we should have free buses and that we should invest in the bus system. And he said that we should add police officers to the streets. Um, those things are expensive. He didn't say how he was going to pay for that, other than to say, you know, we shouldn't spend $11 million on a library project and $600,000 in circulator engineering and some of those kinds of things. There's still a big delta in how you would pay for free busing and adding more buses and 50-some-odd new police officers that he thinks the city needs. His argument was very much centered around, okay, if the city has um, you know, enough money in its budget to potentially pay for an $85 million main library renovation, which is now on pause because of cost overruns, right. um, then it should have money to invest in these other things and, and, and refocus it. You know, basically what he's saying is we can work within the budget we have. We just need to refocus priorities back to core functions of public safety and away from the physical building of the main library. One thing I would like to point out um, about his parallel of tearing down buildings is in the 80s, whenever um, the city was really you know, on a teardown spree to build that proposed regional mall, um, there were blocks of buildings that were taken down, whereas with the main library project, what they're proposing to tear down is the aging warehouse where the main library currently is, and moving the cabin and doing a little rearra- and doing some rearranging of the Anne Frank Memorial. Um, to my knowledge, those are and maybe a small office associated with the Anne Frank Memorial. Yeah, I think the, the Wasserman Center office, maybe too. Yeah. yeah, but there so there really isn't. I those those comparison. Whenever he initially came out and said they're planning to tear down buildings in downtown Boise, for me as person, I was 
I was kind of t- confused by that. It took me a I second. Was initially too. Yeah. Uh, it took me a second to realize what exactly he was talking about. So those two things in my, you know, in, in, in my analysis of the situation don't really scale. Like they don't really, they don't really square because, um, you know, it's really one, it's really one small building that they want to to turn into that bigger library. Um, and that's not to say that I, you know, support the library project or I don't support it, but it's just a judgment that I don't think those comparisons really make sense. Right. I, I was struck in listening to it. It was very much a back to the future type of argument and saying, you know what, we did things right in my administration. Uh, at the end of it, I screwed up and I'm apologizing for that. Uh, but let's get back to those good old days. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens politically here. The dynamics are fascinating for sure. Um, Dave Beter came into office on Cole's heels. There was an interim mayor, Carolyn Turling Payne, for a bit. But um, his campaign, Dave Beter's campaign back in 2003, uh, don't quote me on that, the early 2000s, was essentially, you know what, we need to put better financial controls in City Hall and we need to tighten things down. Uh, mayor Beter has continued a lot of Brent Cole's policies. Uh, putting youth on boards, um, really trying to beef up the parks system, Mm -hmm. the neighborhood associations, which was an initiative spearheaded by Coles. And then I thought something else was interesting. Uh, Brent Coles and Lauren McLean have a bit of a history as well here. With the Foothills levy. With the Foothills levy. Brent Coles championed a levy to increase taxes to pay to buy land in the Boise Foothills. And Lauren McLean was one of the the people who was leading that charge um, for the campaign. So they've got a history too. I thought it was interesting during his remarks that he kept saying the administration. He didn't say Mayor Beater. He didn't say he said the administration. And I took that to mean Mayor Beater, President McLean. He was asked questions about Beater by the, the press because I think that's the easy thing to, to look at. Right. But I think he's trying to say these two folks are alike and I am different. Was that your sense? Yes. I, I got the same sense. And, and um, you know, he's really trying to set himself apart as here's a choice. Here's a, a conservative choice. Because over the course of the campaign, McLean and Beter have tried to separate themselves and, and, and try to talk about their differences. Um, most notably, McLean has recently come out and said that she um, – you know, wishes the library project had been paused long ago. And although, you know, she had never, although she had never really voiced those concerns in the past. And so that to me, that strikes me as her trying to come out and say, yes, I served under Mayor Beter. I've been on the city council that's been making a lot of these decisions, but I'm not exactly on board with it and trying to really drive a wedge between her and the current administration. But Coles came out as just like, I've got nothing to do with these people. I am completely different. I am a whole nother choice. Um, And he really, another thing is he really seemed to ally himself with the Northwest Boise kind of political movement. He did. And and, uh, Brett Coles grew up on the bench. Uh, he mentioned this. He went to Bora High School. Um, most of the politicians who are currently in office at Boise City Hall, with the exception of T.J. Thompson, live in the north or east ends. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a lot of mm, criticism, flack. I'm not sure what the right word is for focusing on downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Brent Coles also came out and said uh, these five new urban renewal districts, we should stop the process on that. Um, he, he really took a pretty hard right turn, no pun intended, from what the current Peter administration is doing. I thought his remarks on urban renewal were very interesting um, because he really he made the argument that um, urban renewal going into residential areas is going to drive gentrification and, and really fuel the housing crisis. He did not name a urban renewal district that he's particularly frustrated with, but one urban renewal district that's currently in the pipeline um, that's been very controversial in certain circles is to put an urban renewal district on the bench, which is a, an area full of um, small businesses owned by refugees, affordable housing. Um, it's, it's really Boise's low-income suburb. And I, so I should also I should say two things here. One, um, that urban renewal district as currently constructed wouldn't actually include the residential areas, but the commercial areas on the on the fringes of them. Um, and I think it's also just important to disclose, and these things make me super uncomfortable, but um, my family owns a shopping center that is in the um, potential bench urban renewal area, and I don't have an interest in that, but it's, I think it's good for people to know that disclosure. Um, so uh, interesting Really fascinating. Definitely drew some policy distinctions. You were at the um, the union forum this week, and from reading, I didn't go. I read your story, and it seemed like all the candidates kind of said the same thing, uh, policy wise, and we're pretty much in agreement. Is that fair? Um, I would say that the majority of the, um, from what I heard, I wasn't able to hear all of the discussion of the city council candidates because I had to go out of the room to meet my deadline for the newspaper. <laughs> um, but I would say that that Mayor Beater and McLean generally agree that organized labor is is a good thing and they were in support of it, but they kind of differed on exactly how to fuel support. There were some kind of nuanced differences there. Uh, the majority of Mayor Beater's um, remarks were focused on, hey, I have tried many times to, to support unions and to get um, uh, union labor prioritized for city projects, um, you know, to, to kind of help them in the bid process and other things like that. But I've been, you know, he'd been stymied multiple times by the state legislature um, who closed some of those loopholes. And so he didn't really offer a ton of solutions there. He kind of kept saying, look, I've been fighting this fight um, ever since I got into office and it's, I keep hitting wall after wall. And so instead, the city should focus on building industrial parks and building wages and building affordable housing so folks who do union labor can still afford to live in Boise. However, McLean offered a little bit more, you know, solutions or saying, here's what I would do a little differently, which has generally been her style throughout the campaign. Um, what she said was instead she would be willing to go to court um, for some of to fight some of these state laws that come down from state legislature. And she made kind of an interesting jab at Beater where she said, um, hey, if, if we can take the criminals you know, the, the, the quote unquote criminalization of homelessness to the Supreme Court, then we should be able to to test the state legislature banning Boise from being able to set its own minimum wage to the courts. Did did she – so that's interesting. Did she talk about – was she in favor of taking that lawsuit to the Supreme Court? She did not say. Did not say. That's um, an interesting question. But it was one of those – it was a very offhand – 
very small kind of little one sentence in the broader argument for but for for me that's kind of been paying attention to this and other people that have been paying attention to this that immediately perked up my ears to suggest why are we why are why is we meaning the city fighting this court battle um whenever over the specific homelessness topic which has really rubbed a lot of folks the wrong way whenever there are other things we could be doing to to, to fight in the courts as well um mclean also said that she'd be willing to use union labor as a negotiating um kind of for leverage you know saying okay we won't give matching city economic development grants um to projects that don't use union labor you know she'd be willing to use that as a bargaining chip um so there were some nuanced differences there but in general they were both very supportive of labor i have no idea where brent cole stands on this issue gosh and you know honestly i don't either um uh, that wasn't a, a major focus. He, he had pretty broad support, if I recall, uh, in the early part of the decade from the police union. Um, I'm not I'm not as versed on the fire union and some of those. Those are kind of two of the biggies here, along with the um, the education union. Um, so it'll be interesting. Let's talk about some of the other candidates. Uh, we should mention there there are um, three other folks in the race uh, mm-hmm. that have that had previously uh, declared today. Uh, Adriel Martinez, who um, has been running since spring, essentially. Uh, Courtney Nielsen, who um, has been running since the summer, I believe. And mm-hmm. then uh, Wayne Ritchie, who people have kind of called the burn it all down candidate. Yes. And you've talked to him. Yes, I have. Um, he is very frustrated with Californians moving to Boise. And he, um, his phrase, and this is a direct quote, was he wants to trash the place. Um, you know, his thought process, if Boise severely cuts public services, closes the library, stops, you know, closes parks and recreation, basically makes, takes away a lot of the nice things that, that people enjoy about Boise, Californians will stop moving here and things will become affordable again. Um, I remember him telling me that his uh, partner's children had recently purchased a house in CUNA. Um, because they could not afford a house in Boise and, and what he said and he goes CUNA who lives in CUNA and and he was so he was kind of expressing this frustration that that he feels like you know his children and his partner's children and everyone of that age cannot afford to live in Boise because they're being pushed out by Californians and and that sentiment you know kind of took fire on the internet because it was really just such a contrary um a contrary opinion to growth that we have not seen from anyone else really in political office. But I see those those comments, all those kinds of that anger and fear about people moving here all the time online. Look, this has some resonance. Um, uh, a former colleague of mine, Mark Johnson at KTVB on the six o'clock news on Channel 7 of a couple months ago, um, did something tongue in cheek. And uh, during the Far West Soccer Classic, when we had a lot of visitors in town, he said, you know, you don't want to move here. It's a long process. It's not that great, essentially. Kind of Idaho's closed. Idaho, Idaho's closed. We're closed. And at the end of it, he said, just kidding. You're welcome here. That made its way to Facebook. And uh, when it was posted to Facebook, somebody, you know, shot the screen kind of a thing, posted on their Facebook. And they cut off the just kidding part. Um, what was interesting to me is that had hundreds of thousands of views and lots of comments along the lines of right on you're right that surprised me so there's a definitely an element of the town that feels that whether they want to close the library and make the parks crappy and i don't i don't know but it is interesting one more candidate it's the seventh candidate 
uh, I caught her at City Hall. Um, I wrote a story a couple weeks ago that hinted at this. Current ACHD president, Rebecca Arnold, has filed to run for mayor. Um, I went over to City Hall and caught her. She did not want to talk to me, I will say. Um, she uh, was reluctant. She tried to write down her email address for me um, and give that to me. And she's like, I got to be somewhere. I'm like, I'll walk with you. And she didn't want to do that. And as she's writing the email, I'm asking questions anyway. And I said, well, you know, why, why are you running? And she said, all she told me was, quote, didn't see a strong non-beater person. So we need one. So we'll maybe get a little more from her as things go along. Um, she is also conservative. She's a Republican. And her and Dave Beter have been at loggerheads for uh, pretty much their entire time in office. They both are longtime members of their particular offices. What do you think? Interesting thing here? I think this is very interesting, especially given that so much of um, the discussion at City Hall from Beter and from other people on city council in the last, throughout 2019, has been focused on public transit. How do we get people out of their cars, onto the bus, onto their bikes, walking to work? You know, that's the solution to growing, to to growth. That That is what, yes, that's what they say. And that's really been the policy directive out of City Hall. But, um, you know, I don't cover ACHD. I, I don't know nearly as much yeah, about it as, as other folks. Um, but from what I've read, you know, ACHD is and the commissioners there are very focused on cars. They yeah. are very focused on um, expanding, widening roads um, and, you know, kind of like Boiseans drive cars. Let's cater to them. And so, you know, whereas the city is asking, has been kind of petitioning ACHD, hey, let's spend more of your money on public transit infrastructure and sidewalks and things like that. And and to try to shift the way that we get to the way we get from place to place as Boiseans. And so their ACHD and, um, and Boise's fundamental view of the future of moving around Treasure Valley is different. And if, and I think if, and her entering the race really gives that, you know, people a distinct choice between someone that, you know, a candidate that is, re- candidates that are really pushing for, for public, for public transportation and to kind of, you know, turn Boise into more of a big city mindset in terms of transit with kind of someone that is more in favor of, of, you know, four lane roads everywhere and, um, you know, more of that driving culture. And I think that that is a major difference, especially since the city's vision for State Street includes, you know, bus rapid transit and dense development. And, you know, they want to try to get dedicated lane buses, you know, dedicated lanes for buses and all kinds of things. And, and that does not seem to have gotten the same amount of traction over at ACHD from what I've read. So I reached out to both the McLean and Beater campaigns, uh, frankly, as I was still sitting um, outside of the Boise Depot trying not to get wet in the rain today. Um, I got a response from the Beater campaign. They were working on a statement um, that was, what, about three hours ago. I don't have a response yet, so we'll put that in the story at Boise Dev, and I'm sure you'll have it in the Idaho Press, too. Um, I did get a response from the McLean campaign, and I'll just read a little bit of it. 
Um, and, and I should say, uh, after this, I also said uh, Rebecca's Arnold's in and Lauren said the uh, Lauren McLean said the statement stands. She said, "Quote: In light of today's news, I want to be clear. My mission remains unchanged. I am working to earn a majority of Boiseans' votes, whether that be in November or in a December runoff." And she kind of talks about some of her uh, approaches and um, accomplishments, but that brings up. What I think is the most interesting part of the dynamics of this, um, this election is not just a simple whoever gets the most votes win. No. Wins. Boise has a runoff. Explain how that works. Uh, I cannot. Okay, okay. Well, I, Because, I, well, I, I vaguely, I'm being real, I vaguely know, but you're, but I haven't written an article on it, so I am not smart enough to have this conversation. So you, you, are, your... you are smart enough, but uh, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll recap what I've reported, which is um, the city used to have runoffs for both city council and mayor. They got rid of the city council runoffs. Um, there's only been one ever. It was David Everly and Paula Forney back in the twenty the 2000s. I don't know why I'm using that word today, but I am. I don't think it's a word. It isn't, but I'll keep using the 2000s as a word. Um, and after that, the, the city council, <laughs> an initiative driven by David Everly, said we should get rid of that. They were going to do the mayor's office too, but they never did. It's still in the books. And the way it works is if no candidate gets 50% plus one vote, so a majority, mm-hmm. then we go to a runoff. In December, I believe the first Tuesday after the first Monday in December, um, with the top two vote getters. That wasn't a big thing when you had, and I'll just be blunt here, when you had two mainstream candidates and uh, three um, candidates who were um, a little less mainstream, um, you could have you could have seen a pretty easy path to one or the other candidates getting fifty percent. Now though. You have seven candidates in the race, all with a little different flavor, and I don't think the math is quite as easy to say, oh, well, Dave Beter will get a majority, of course, or Lauren McLean will get a majority, of course, because you have these other candidates in the race. Yeah, if, um, you know, if if Brent Cole's poll, you know, polls five to ten percent of the vote, and then you've got another five, ten percent of the vote polling for for Rebecca Arnold, or you know, or even more from both of them, right. then you could that that would really, um, you know take away from the majorities over from McLean and Beter, who, uh, and, and that could put us in a situation where we would have that, would have that runoff. The question is going to be, would the runoff be between a conservative and a, and a, and a, a Democratic candidate? Would it be between two liberal candidates, McLean and Beter? Would it be between a conservative, you know, two conservatives? We, we don't know. And I feel like who, at this point, the race is just going to be it's more of a race of who can get those two top spots i mean obviously they you you want to all these candidates want to win decisively um but with each candidate really pulling a different part of their base there's going to be um i I think it's really you know kind of seems to be a race for those two top spots and see if who can duke it out in a runoff well the last city election only had about i think twenty four thousand folks voting which is a pretty small percentage it was a sleepy race. Uh, it was uh, Dave Beter and Judy P. Beter. And things were a lot calmer then. Um, the housing prices hadn't started to increase. Um, the stadium and library hadn't really been mentioned too much. Things were just, it was calmer. Growth wasn't a big focus. I believe that we're going to see a lot more people in the ballot booth. Um, and that changes the dynamic, especially if. Northwest Boise and the bench and West Boise areas that traditionally haven't voted in large numbers come out. Um, 
pockets of Boise, the East End, many people in the East End are pretty upset about some of the things that happened with St. Luke's and closing some streets. People in the North End have been a little angsty about some growth policies. There was a proposal to build a CVS over some affordable housing that kind of lit fire in town. Uh, Vanishing Boise has become a voice for um, concern about the change and I think has a following. There are so many dynamics in this race, it's so hard to predict what will happen. I think it's really going to come down to which candidate can knock the most doors and get new voters. Um, I think it's going to come down to, to new voters because I think if the North End and the East End are the only, you know, the only neighborhoods that really consistently vote, we're going to see, I would comfortably predict either, I, you know, a liberal candidate. Um, yeah. would come out. I, I won't say, you know, I'm not going to try to guess Beter or McLean, um, but I think if we see the same voters, we're going to see the same results. But if, if some of these candidates can pull new voters and get new people into those ballot boxes, it's going to, it's, it's going to, to shift that dynamic. In particular, I have seen Northwest Boise, which pro- which isn't a huge group of people, but I have seen them on Facebook kind of banging, banging drums and saying, Hey, look, here's some some maps of voter turnout. We have barely voted. Come on, guys, get it together. We need to be in this race and make our voice known. And they very well may be able to do that because when these city hearings for prominence come up, the room's packed. Yes, full. And and coming to a city council meeting is a heavy lift for people. They start at six o'clock in the evening. Uh, people generally, you know, they may have families and childcare, and it's not just an easy thing to just show up at a council meeting. Margaret and I do it most weeks, and it's not easy for probably either of us. But that's our job. These folks, they have other jobs, other things to do. Uh, going to going to vote is pretty easy. You have a 12-hour span to do it. It's in your neighborhood. It takes 20 minutes, most likely. And in Idaho, you can register to vote same day. That day, yeah. which um, as someone from out of state where that is, you cannot do that, where, where I moved from, that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, very, very voter-friendly uh, state. So it's going to be interesting. You know, we're not going to talk about the city council races here. No, because we'd be time. here for we'll, five hours. Yeah, we just, we've booked 28 minutes already on one race. Um, you know, the, the races in Meridian, also pretty interesting. Uh, the races in Garden City might be kind of interesting. I'm trying to get a story that I thought I would work this morning on, on that but things got a little hectic. Uh, You know, I think it just points towards um, this is a special place. People really like it here, and there are lots of different philosophies on where we should go in the future, and the voters are – they are going to have – a very diverse set of choices. Seven candidates in the Boise mayor's race is a lot. And um, they all have a little different different take. I don't know what's going to happen. A week ago, I think I kind of had a feeling, and now I just don't know. Um, we'll see. It'll be fun to cover. I know there will be a lot of coverage in the Idaho Press and on Boise Dev. What else are you working on? Anything good you want to plug? Um... I'm trying to think if I if I have anything interesting. Um, I'm working on a, a story about housing and um, emotional support animals, which is coming up, which I think is kind of interesting. But that has absolutely nothing to do with this. <laughs> That's okay. Look for that work in the Edo Press, and uh, maybe I'll put it on Boise Dev too. Uh, so thanks for joining me, and uh, we'll probably do this again, I guess, before the election. And Margaret Carmel with the Idaho Press. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thank you.